fun. You're having too much fun. Back to your seats, children. No, just kidding. <laughs> hey, Dee Dee. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. See, now all the people that came in late, we didn't even notice that you came in late. See how awesome that is? Instead of walking in the middle of the sermon and I point at you and say, how dare you? Now I don't even notice. Vera, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, whatever. Uh, so, uh, good morning. Uh, if you didn't notice, there's a lot of children in the theater, which is awesome because we love children. So children, children, if you can hear me, I am going to take authority away from your parents for the next 10 seconds. I want all the children, parents can help, you can stand on the chair. Go ahead, parent, children, you can stand on the chair, yeah. Stand on the chair. Clementine, you can stand on the chair, you won't get in trouble. Until I, later, you'll get in trouble. See, wave everybody, hi kids. Go ahead, Bri. Go ahead, stand on the chair. You're, you're still 17. Stand on the chair, guys. Hi. <laughs> Cooper. Welcome, children. We're so glad you guys are here. I am giving authority back to the parents. Parents, you now have authority over your children again. Um, so I had a, I thought it was a decent sermon on Daniel 3. I figured out what a trigon is. I was going to tell you what that is. It's a triangle harp. A bunch of other cool stuff about satraps and all these different things, but that went out the window, so maybe next week. But since we're here, might as well chat. We'll make it quick because there's children, and they're already getting frustrated. It's okay. She's fine. Um, so I want to look at Daniel or Deuteronomy 6 uh, real quick. Um, and a lot of you who don't have uh, kids, or maybe your kids are a little bit older, you think, oh, this doesn't really apply to me, or man, I'm single, what does this have to do with anything? And I want you to hear and understand what this scripture is talking about. And then I'm just going to be a real honest and transparent with you and tell you where Natasha and I succeed in this area and where we failed in this area as uh, parents trying to shepherd and disciple children. Now, <clears throat> hear me on this. First, I want to talk to uh, uh, older parents who have kids. Your, your job is not done. Your job is not done. I've talked to a lot of parents. Maybe they didn't become believers until their kids were older and out of college. Maybe they just, they just get, didn't get it right uh, when they started out in the beginning. And, and your job's not over yet. Now, it might not be in an authoritative role like it is for parents of younger children, but you still have a responsibility to share the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ with your older children. Now, it might be as simple as giving them a phone call and just being real honest. Being real honest with your kids and saying, hey, I want you to know that I love you and I'm proud of you. I didn't, I didn't do it all right when you were growing up, but I want you to know that I'm proud of you and I love you and I want you to know that, man, Jesus has really changed my heart and I just wanna, I wanna repent to you and say, hey, I'm sorry. It may be something as simple as that, but I want you to understand, parents, if you have older children, your job is not done yet. Now, singles, singles or people that don't have kids, I'm telling you, the kids in this room are gonna learn more and know more about Jesus a lot of the times than it is from us because they don't listen to us. It takes a, a, a village, I know people are, oh, boo, you know, political stuff, whatever. It takes a community, it takes a body of believers in Christ to raise children. 
I mean, I see students in here that I was their, their youth pastor, I was their small group leader, I was their camp counselor, all these things, and I see people in this room that were my youth pastor and my counselor. My parents weren't believers when I fully came to know and understand who Jesus Christ was. So I, I want you to understand, singles, college students, people in this room, you have a responsibility to disciple and to teach children about Jesus Christ. And this is where Deuteronomy 6 comes in. I'll start in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And these words I command you shall be written on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as signs in your hand, and they shall be on little frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's how that company sells a bunch of those little vinyl things that says, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's where they get that from. Make a ton of money on that. That's not what that means, but that's what they do to sell it to you. Listen, I'm parents, people, church, Nowhere in that scripture did you hear me to tell, hey, discipline your children. Make sure they get good grades. Make sure they don't scream in service. Make sure they don't eat all their food. Make sure they do all these things. Make sure they follow all these rules. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Don't do those things. That's, I didn't say any of that. There's a huge misconception in the church that we have to teach the kids to behave well. And we do want them to behave. Don't get me wrong. My son's going to be here at the 11 o'clock service, and he's going to be screaming and running up and down these aisles. I know it. I have anxiety right now about it. Just like a lot of you right now are being like, I see parents whispering in their child's ear, I promise if you're quiet, we'll get ice cream after this. I promise. We'll get ice cream. Whatever you want. We want the car? You can have the car. Like, just whispering in their ears because there's this illusion that we can't, our kids can't be kids or they have to behave well, and we teach this behavior modification pattern to our children. And we do it as adults, and we do it as kids, and these kids, they realize they get what they want based on what they do, and we teach them bad theology. And we teach them by the way we live and how we act and what we do, that their worth is based on how they grow and succeed in the areas we want them to succeed in. But nowhere in the scriptures, nowhere in that verse did it say any of those things. It says, teach them diligently to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do you teach your children, adult children, young children, kids? It doesn't matter. How do you teach them to love the Lord your God? And I get a lot of questions too. I get a question, well, what about like the zero to six month olds? The kids are just, they're eating the carpet and they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. How do you do that to them? Well, you, you make a safe environment and you love them well and you teach them that God loves them. Man, they're not gonna respond back to you with some doctrinal thesis, but as they develop and as they grow and as they learn, they're gonna see the love of Christ through and in you. Now, I'm telling you, I don't always get this right. I mean, as a parent, like, I mean, there's, we always joke, there's no manual, there's no this, there's no, like, there's yesterday. I'll just give you an example. Yesterday, James is in the bathtub, and, and he's sticking stuff in places he shouldn't stick it, 
And then he's just like, oh, oh, oh and then rubbing his hair. And, so, and I'm, there's nothing in the book to tell me, what do you do when he takes a, a, a bubble-blowing stick and, and shoves it everywhere? No, there's nothing about that. It's okay, Morgan. She's fine. Um, there's nothing in that. Or, like, I... <laughs> My wife was so mad yesterday. So I, she left to go to a book study, which well, I don't know why she would ever leave me with the kids alone. It's like horrifying. So I had Peter, who's our, um, he's gonna be six months next week. And James is in bed. And I'm sitting with Peter, you know, trying to be a good dad, not be on my phone, like, you know, like hold him in one hand and like look at stuff on the other phone, but I'm trying to be a good dad, like put my phone down. And I hear James crying and I'm like, oh, he'll go back to sleep, right? All of a sudden, first time ever, he comes walking out, and he's standing next to me. We don't have a toddler bed. We have a crib. Like, and I'm like, where'd you come from? And he's like, I fell. And I go, you fell? And then, so I didn't tell Natasha, and she's going to find out at 11 o'clock service, and I'm going to get in trouble, but it's okay. But, like, it do, discipleship and family, it doesn't always look the way it does. So I want to give you some simple things Adults, children, parents, to give to you and your family and your kids to help you understand how to disciple this. Now, is there anyone, including myself, raise your hand, who sits down every day, does a 10-minute uh, devotion with their, parent, their, their kids and their family and all this stuff? Raise your hand if you do that. If you do, you're phenomenal. You two are liars, and I know your dad needs a liar, too. Uh, <laughs> like, it just doesn't work. It doesn't, I'm not saying don't do those things, but life happens. You don't always sit down and do these things. So I want to give you some simple advice on things that we've tried as parents just to help disciple our kids. We have a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and it works throughout generations. But the thing, number one thing is this. Do things that are in the natural rhythms of your life. Make God great in the natural rhythms of your life. It's not you have to go out of your way. We're going to the Creation Museum, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Or, man, we've got to do these Bible studies every day, and we've got to do this and this, because that turns into this legalistic just idea of who God is. So how do you make God great in the natural rhythms of your life? One is glorify God in all that you do. Now, how does this look? Because that sounds super ethereal. How many of you are so proud of your kids when they get a, a, a great report card? Raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah, I'm proud of my kids when they get a great report card. How many are you happy when your kid scores a goal or makes a touchdown or makes a basket or does a kill or all those things? Everyone, you're great. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. But is that the only thing that you praise your child for? Because if it is, then you have made something that is good into an ultimate thing. So how do we make God look great in the simple rhythms of our life? Simple. Who likes to go camping? Camping, great. When you go camping, how easy is it just to say, man, isn't it cool that God made the stars? That's all you need to know. It's not some huge discussion on, you know, new earth, old earth, 6.4, whatever, 4.1 billion, or three days, whatever, six days, whatever, seven days. Isn't it cool that God made all those stars? And you know what? God cares about you more than he cares about those stars. He knows you more than he knows those stars. Millions of stars, millions of miles away. 
God cares and knows you more. Done. Devotion. Parent of the year. There you go. Maybe you like to watch movies. Watch movies with your kid. Beauty and the Beast. Great movie. I like it. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe it's not a great movie. Beauty and the Beast. Horrible beast gets transformed into a human based on love. Gospel. Wow, you see how the beast by love came human? Man, didn't that cool how Jesus did it for us? Devotion, parent of the year. Sit down with your wife on Saturday or Sunday and say, hey, I've got 10 minutes this week. Let's find 10 minutes to have an intentional devotional with our kid. If you can't find 10 minutes, you need to quit your job and you need to do something else. 10 minutes. Let me tell you, I don't do this. All right, I'm standing up here all high and mighty. I don't do this stuff. This is stuff I've read and stuff that I do, but I'm trying to do. Simple. All right, kids, they're bad. James gets spanked. I don't, well, no, he doesn't. Spanking's bad politically or whatever. Do you ever give your child grace and explain it to them? Hey, James, you deserve a spanking right now because you, you, you stuck your mouth and your brother's, you stuck your hand in your brother's mouth and grabbed his tongue and pulled really hard. You deserve a spanking right now, but I'm not going to give you one because Jesus died for you and explain grace. These are simple things that we can do to enter into the, just the natural rhythms of your life to help your kids. When, and this is something we're going to do better as a church. We're going to start handing out handouts with questions to give to your kids so when your ki- or to your parents when they leave and say, hey, here's six questions to ask your kid on the way home. You don't even have to know the answers. We'll write the answers for you. And look and use car rides and vacation and different things to disciple your kids. The reason we do baby dedication, the reason that we talk about these things is not because we're perfect, not because these kids are going to grow up and, and love Jesus perfectly. It's because we want to honor God and we want to do what Scripture says in Deuteronomy and say, this is it. We want to bind these things on the doorpost. We want to write them down. We want to teach our kids to love the Lord our God with all their heart, soul, and mind. Parents, singles, older parents, whatever, understand that it takes the church to raise these children. And we need to start being the church when it comes to raising these children. That's simple, clear-cut, I'll say this again, Natasha and I, we don't always get it right. We get frustrated, we get angry, we yell at our kids, we, we do everything that you've done. But good thing, it's not about what we do, but rather about how Christ loves us and he teaches us to love. I'll say it again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and teach this to your kids not to do a bunch of different things. Not to follow these rules or those rules or don't do this, don't do that, but rather teach them to love. And that's our goal. And you can do it as a college student, you can do it as a teenager, you can do it as a parent of 40-year-old children. But that's the goal and that's the purpose. So I'm gonna, we're, I'm gonna end, Morgan left. Hopefully she'll come back. You can come up, Gary. You got something to say? I'm dying up here, no, I'm just kidding. All right. So before we do that, uh, I want to pray for two things. And I want, I'm, we're going to pray for Morgan. Uh, if you don't know Morgan Weeks, her, <laughs> to show how flexible things in, they got in the car this morning, Aaron and Morgan, 
and their second, their oldest child, just started throwing up. <laughs> so they left because they had baby dedication, so they brought their youngest. But Morgan's going to come up uh, whenever she comes back. Um, and I want to pray for her. They're leaving Friday with their kids, hear me on this, with their children to go to Ethiopia for two weeks. That's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. Try a car ride from here to church. Now put it on a plane for 17 hours. Like, it's a tough thing to do, and it's not the most stable place and safe place, but Aaron's brother is over there with his wife and their kids. I want to pray for her, and I want to pray for their, their family. The other thing I want to do is I want to pray for their uncle and their aunt. Ron and Doris Weeks, they go to our church. They've been living in the Congo for, for years and years and years, but they were attacked uh, last week. Um, one of their guards, who had been their friends for 40 years, was killed, and it's just terrifying. It was a group of uh, six or seven men with AK-47s came into their compound, uh, attacked them. They're people that go to our church. They're missionaries from our church. So I want to pray for them. And uh, Morgan, you come on up. Pray for Morgan and their family. Um, shameless plug, if you want to help them out, you know, they're going on their own dime, you know. Anyways, you can come, you can come on up unless it's too hard with the baby. Oh, it's okay. Everyone made a mess. The, the middle adults in there made a bigger mess. So I was just explaining about your uh, Aaron's uncle and aunt, Ron and Doris, and then Morgan. They're leaving on Friday, yes? Right, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. You were in the bathroom. It's okay. So they're leaving on Friday. You'll be gone for two weeks? Okay, so little anxiety, you know, I would too. <laughs> so we're going to pray for them, and we're going to pray for Ron and Doris. They're in the Congo, and I just explained that story. So I'm going to pray for, so you know what? Let's do this. Why don't we go down here? Why, service is over. We're like 20 minutes early. So how about this? I'm going to put right here, anyone who wants to come forward and lay hands on her, and don't touch the baby because you'll get sick. Um, we're going to pray for them, and we're going to pray for Ron and for Doris. Um, it's family, and it's tough. Um, there's a lot of people in this world, um, but there are church family and there are family. So I'm going to pray for them. Then the band is going to play. And if anyone needs help or prayer or just wants to talk about kids, there'll be a prayer team down here. Um, I know this service is kind of hectic and crazy, but Christ is still king. And it's awesome. So we're going to pray. Um, and then the band will play and something else will happen. Cool. So uh, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for Aaron, uh, who's been a friend since high school. And, and for Morgan, the same. Uh, we've all grown up. <laughs> we've grown in understanding who Jesus is. We've grown in our calls. We've grown in a lot of things. And I just pray for, for Aaron and Morgan right now with their babies as they travel on Friday to Ethiopia, a country that's struggling right now, struggling with identity, struggling with oppression, struggling with just the brokenness of this world. I pray uh, for Travis and Emily who are there now, Lord, that, that they will be encouraged that their brother and sister are coming, that the gospel is, is moving, that, that there's going to be an <laughs> And encouragement, <laughs> and encouragement, Lord. I pray for safety. I pray for the kids. 
Lord, I pray for patience. I pray for um, a supernatural protection over them as they travel in planes, as they travel in country. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for peace spiritually, emotionally, and financially for them. Lord, as they seek and discern God's call on their life, Lord, may we be ascending church. May we be a church that loves them desperately and loves those that have gone desperately. I pray for, for Ron and Doris, members of our church, family of this church, and all the other missionaries that we, we don't think about, that we don't talk about, that we don't pray about, Lord, that are isolated and alone. And it takes a tragedy for us to talk about it. Lord, I repent personally of forgetting those who are on the field. May we never do that again. Lord, I pray that we're a church that remembers those who have gone out and been faithful. I thank you for, for Morgan and Aaron as they are teaching their children to love the Lord, their God, and acting it out by taking a step of faith into the unknown. Lord, I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.